podcast land. This is your host of Psych and Sales, David Weiss. And as usual, I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Dr. Aaron Weiss. You want to say hi, honey? Hey, everyone. And on this episode of Psych and Sales, we have an awesome guest. Uh, he is Jared Robin. He is the co-founder of Rev Genius. Um, all around awesome guy. Really excited to have him on the show. Um, Jared, uh, welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. So tell us a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm Rev Genius needs no introduction in the sales community, but um, just in case for the stray listener isn't familiar with it, tell us a little bit uh, about the community, why you started it, what's your mission, what you guys are trying to do, and um, let, let's start there. Yeah, absolutely. So Rev Genius now is a 10,500 person uh, sales marketing and RevOps community. Woo. Our purpose is to bring together sales professionals to help them, you know, in a phrase, level up. Now, our mission, educate, empower, and inspire revenue professionals. And, and we can unpack that later, et cetera. But Galem and myself founded this community uh, because we saw a need, frankly, at the beginning of COVID for a space for all revenue professionals to go and congregate. We saw that there was tons of events happening and tons of um, fragmentation, like 25 different lanes for different webinars, podcasts, et cetera, still that way a bit. And initially we thought it would be great to have a single platform to aggregate that. Well, we ended up figuring, we ended up building a community around that and realizing that the power was in the community, not in the aggregation of events per se, and moved everyone to Rev Genius and haven't, haven't looked back. And as I said, mission, educate, empower, and inspire revenue professionals. That's a big thing. Um, there wasn't a space that felt truly inclusive, diverse, equitable. Like there, there was other communities. Sure. Um, but it felt like there was nothing that was truly empathetic to the salesperson, the marketing person, the rev ops person and their plight. Like, we're in one of the most competitive, high stress potential spaces. Um, and you need to just, just like this podcast addresses folks in an empathetic way and understands and, and gets to the root of it. We realized that people needed uh, a separate place to go from their work where they might've had toxic environments or difficult environments or a place to ask other questions. And they're, we felt that there was uh, an opening to, to create our own that, that allowed everyone in that supported everybody, et cetera. So hence Rev Genius was found. I love that, man. I, I have often said that sales is the uh, highest paying profession with the lowest barrier of entry. So you'll have all these people coming into sales to make lots of money and all these companies willing to give them an entry level opportunity, but then they don't invest in them. They don't train them. They treat them as a number. They churn and burn them in a year. Um, and, and many of us are often on an island because even though they say sales is a team sport, it's often not treated as that within organizations. It's very much a competitive sink or swim. Um, and, and I remember like my first job out of school, um, I failed and I almost hung up the, the mic. I almost never did sales again 
because I had a company that gave great product training, no sales training, and I burnt out. So, I mean, if there was a community like this where I could have learned from other people and had, you know, folks there that had my back or that could, you know, lift me up on bad days, um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't, I may not have quit that job or, or things may have been different. Um, and I'm glad I stuck with sales, but not everybody does and not everybody does it continues in a happy way. So, um, the mission is amazing. I'm, I'm so happy that you guys have been doing this. Thank you. And, and, and I was part of a little company called seamless web that became uh, Grubhub today. And I left after three months of cold calling because I was just done with it. Um, you know, old school phones, not even on my cell phone. It's Salesforce. We're talking 15, 20 years ago and, and, you know, really going through without that support system, they taught me a pitch. We all said the pitch. We had, we had a 50 person company. We all said the pitch. And as soon as we remember that pitch, the script. my wife just said, stick to the script. I love stick it. To, right. And then we got on the phones and we did that. And there was no training with anything else. Um, the company did all right. Uh, but if I had that other community, I would have learned what I needed to in that community and might not have left that great opportunity. I mean, the opportunity was fine. It's just that I didn't have uh, the skills um, at the time to succeed there. And I wasn't getting it there. And from an internal standpoint, and this could, you know, parlay into what we're going to talk about. Like I, I, I didn't have the validation I needed as my first job out of college um, to really get into it. And, and that's a time where, where um, you're extremely impressionable and you're ex- extremely, um, fragile, right? Like you've been handed things all in high school. It's easier to get an A. You just have to follow the rules. College is a little harder because I went to a big college, but now it's the wild, wild West and, and you sink or swim based on the team above you. And if you don't have that right away, you're in for a rude awakening. So, so we're happy to be there for Jared when he was 23 <laughs> and, and, David at your current age and other people as well. Everybody's in their own situation, right? Depending on their roles. Yeah. It sounds like even though you're, you're a sales community, that sounds really in line with kind of what we do here, that you're, you're looking at the whole person and and not just the sales side of things and recognizing that, that more emotional piece, the, the support, the validation is just so critical to being able to develop a successful and happy career path. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And, and one thing outside of that, you know, as, as I got into my spiritual journey in my thirties, um, I feel so at home because practicing some like karma, like principles as well, like not just, you know, just the principles of giving that, you know, people are talking about on the LinkedIn's and all of that. And, and some are, some are doing it. Others are talking about it, not doing it, but we're just doubling down on just giving. Like I, I call it giving bounce passes, right? Getting somebody a job, getting somebody uh, uh, an interview, a promotion, a uh, new skill set. You know, giving um, really helps the greater good of the whole community as well. So, yes, look at the whole person and, and also encourage a giving atmosphere. So, not just, you know, having everybody look out for everybody else as well. You know, like how do you scale that? And that right there, um, I think we've done 
adequate at like like i'm content and i'm hard on myself um <laughs> <You're not adequate. laughs> because, because, good enough okay well no, no. Jewish, we understand like adequate is like that's a, that's a high bar for most people so like our adequate is like you know we do oh we could un- we could unpack uh the jewish mother and that type of guilt but uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that's this conversation or next yeah i think that if we get to there now we're getting to the real deep root of a lot of our problems so you know we're stay a little higher i'm gonna get an invoice from uh, your wife if, if we start going down that route <laughs> well it sounds like you're being you're being really humble but um but it sounds like you're also doing a lot of good for for a lot of people and and also just the sales community in general and I love what you're saying about looking at it as a, a community and the giving aspect, because it, it does tend to be um, more stereotypically a very, you know, each, each person for themselves yep. kind of a, a world and you're, yep. you're making shifts in that, which is, is really awesome. I, yeah, I had jobs as recent as five years ago where I didn't talk to any of my colleagues. We had a team of like 10 and we might've talked at lunch a little bit. Like we didn't even care. We just sat down or something. And it wasn't even like we were necessarily competing versus each other per se, although there could be that environment. It was just a weird environment. And, and you get into it a lot. There's like, there's 30 flavors of weird, like in sales, like, like you can have a manager. Oh man, I, I don't want to go into these anecdotes just in case they're listening, but like, like, that that are cutting you down 30 seconds before your first sales call ever. Yeah. Because, because you logged in one minute late to go to meeting because it was your first time using it. Right. Like. Really setting you up for failure. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I said after when, when, when the gentleman asked me for feedback, I said, I said, (laughs) I said, I I had conversations right before an effing climbing. Can we, can we just like do that? I I said, I said, I said, not, I said, I said, I think I could have did better. I'd done better and I will. But if I may, I don't respond well to that at that point. And if you remove that and, and the response after was telling, and this is one flavor of weird, like I get your point, but understand mine out the door. I'm done. Like, like really this, this is day one. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, that's just one flavor of weird. Another one might be, uh, oh man, you all know everyone who's listening, feel what your flavor of weird is. I guarantee, I, I guarantee you could feel one of those flavors. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot forms going of on. toxicity that, that can permeate the, the sales community. And, um, just really happy to know that it's not staying that way. And that there's so many, so many professionals out there who are working on, on helping to make it a healthier and still successful environment. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, it goes back to what you're doing is that, and to your point, um, in sales, we're almost all our own like individual project managers, like heads down are on our own like individual projects. And in most every other role with an organization, you've got multiple people in that role and they'll, they're working on like one big combined project where like they, they'll tap into yep. it. With us, it's a, and, and we're often on our own alignments. Um, and it makes, and I, I love the fact that you guys started this during COVID because where we used to have water cooler talk, be able to eat lunch together, go on breaks together, maybe you know pull each other aside for happy hours or something. We're now all by ourselves. So it just accelerated that feeling of, of alone and, and being on an island. And 
you know, you can be proactive and you can reach out to your other colleagues and we all need to be doing that. Um, but it's not always an easy thing to do. And uh, not everyone's always receptive to that because they sometimes see you as competition in the number. Um, so I, like, I just go back to like kind of, you know, bringing people together to be supportive. It's, it's an awesome mission. I couldn't agree more. And you know what, you know what else you said there? Like we're all in our own silos. I'm reading a book on OKRs. We, we all know the book. It's um, measure what matters. I'm like salespeople's OKRs are exactly the same every day, every week and every month. Everybody else's are changing. Like, like, but, but we're the same. I'm like, this is like, it, it was like an aha moment. Like that, that, that sales is like a static thing and you plug and play and, and, and wow, like you could analyze the trickle down of that, right. The whole company, um, a rev genius and outreach of, of, you know, whatever company it is could be taking a whole certain direction as a company and sales is still, this is your number. This is whatever you know, what's different. You have new clients or you have new, whatever, but this is your number. (laughs) This is your number might go up, but I I find that fascinating. Here's your book of business. Your number will go up, but um, go figure it out and uh, let us know when you close the business. The the anecdote with Intel that they gave in that book. That's funny is um, they said, okay, we're going to make the number double what it should be. What's realistic because that sounds good. And like, well, no, no. And they said, if you make it, you get a trip for two to Tahiti. Yeah. But the one stipulation is everybody on your team needs to make it. So what they did was the numbers were lagging and then they, um, and then what Intel did was they sent Tahiti brochures to their whole sales team, mailed them. And believe it or not, most of the reps ended up making it because of the psychology behind that. I don't know what lesson there is to learn about motivation or whatnot, but like interesting it's stuff. Way to get your top performers to beat the crap out of everyone else for you. Um, so that, oh my gosh. That's <laughs> so anyway, um, talk to talk, tell us a little bit about your story. Like um, you, Psych and sales. Um, I know you're really motivated to come on the show. Is there some um, some specific thing in your story, or as it relates to you know your personal journey, um, mental health within our profession, anxiety within our profession, things like that, that kind of you know stands out to you, and, and that you've you know gone through you know as you you know gone through your kind of sales journey. If you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like like most of you and in, in the audience's journeys, um, things aren't always easy. And, and frankly, often they never are. Right. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I want to say the typical divorce parent childhood, but like I pushed through a lot of things. I don't know if you want to say with ego or blinders, they're one in the same. And eventually, eventually like at FedEx early on, I was able, you know, even though I started maybe like fourth out of 10 on my team, I ended up being number one and number one in the country, like a, a triumph of, um, of will, if you will. And, and, and that's what, that that's a typical like sales anecdote, right? Like, Oh, keep trying harder, do this. I got it. Um, I decided I wanted a new challenge when I wanted to go to tech and an early stage seed round startup and all, you know, I was selling the product wasn't working at the time or at least early on. And, and I realized that 
for the first time in my life, I, I might not be in control of if I failed or not. And, and little did I know, like my whole life, like you're, you're in control of much more than you think and a lot less, you know, that whole at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> and, um, and, and frankly, I imploded, like I, I, I always had ticks and stuff, but I was always able to like blinders past them, right. And bury it deep. And, and eventually, um, the piper came to, 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 to get its, its, its wages from me, right? Like, uh, you know, karma came to equal out and, and I got into a period of about a week, um, where my heart was racing from morning to night and night never started. Um, I might've slept two hours a day and my heart was racing in the middle. Like I, and then I got to the point where I was extremely nostalgic not knowing why listening to punk rock and like crying from my like high school days. And, and mind you audience, I was about 30 years old at the time, like full disclosure, all this give or take a few months. And um, now all of a sudden I'm sleeping with the lights on as a 30 year old, like scared, scared. I'm not going to make it scared. Um, scared. I'm, I'm going to fail scared all of this. And, um, and I remember when my dad gave me permission to, that I could take Advil PM to go to sleep and I'm like, okay, great. And then, and then I'm taking Advil PM after a couple, pretty much all nighters getting six hours of sleep on that. And I'm like, this is weird, but I can live a life like this. I'm like, and, and then going to the doctor and him telling me I really was, um, I, I really needed medication was, was an awakening. But, but by this point I realized, Oh, and, and, and one of the turning points along the way, cause I voiced this to my dad and th this was like a really, really, really vulnerable point to my life. Really exceptionally vulnerable. I voiced this to my dad and, um, and he was there for me. Great, great father. And, and my mom who I've since lost uh, parents separated as I said, or divorced, I should say, um, she's great. She's supportive, but my dad really, really got it at, at a deep level. And, and he was there and he took me to, um, a psychiatrist, I believe for a psychologist, psychiatrist, I think that, that he swore by who I saw or who I might've met before, but, but that he said really helped him a lot. And, and I went to her and hearts racing going and, and, and she's great. She's great. But after I realized very quickly, I said like, I probably just spent an hour with one of the best people I could have spent the hour with, like all things considered, my dad did me a solid and, and, you know, he offered to pay for it. You know, he wanted to really support that, but also at the same time that even if I saw her 10 more times, this was a solo journey. I realized that fast. I said, I said, she's awesome. And, and, my dad had given me this book and I don't want to plug it. Like the, I said earlier, the presence process by Michael Brown, this, this for me was, was a great part of my journey years ago, but I wasn't ready to, to read it. And I knew she had practiced with him and I just like kept, you know, peppering questions in. And, and, um, and at this point I'm reading the beginning of the book, the first hundred pages as quick as I can. Right. Cause I got to get into this 10 week process to fix myself. I'm like getting it in. And I'm like telling the doctor, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'll get the prescription, but I, I don't need it. I'm reading a book and he's responding. Look at what good that's doing. 
<laughs> medical doctor. And the book's telling me like people are going to, I'm like, oh, uh, like, like I'm seeing messengers and, and I'm realizing a few things. One, I got to read faster because, <laughs> because, because this book is going to, is going to help me because I don't have an answer outside of learning how to facilitate myself. And I know I need an answer. And I know that answer isn't in uh, an anxiety medicine or, or an Advil PM. And, and I can't live my life taking a pill regularly, which doesn't even solve the problem. And I could feel that. Right. And like, this wasn't here a year ago. Why is it here now? And all this is here. And Oh, by the way, I have a day job. Thank goodness we were remote. Thank goodness. Right. Because, um, I, I could hide a lot of it remotely. Um, and, and, and it was an aha. And then I, and I dove in and, um, four nights a week, I cried during meditation, heavy on meditation, morning and night cried, um, because I had to, and, and realized fast and, and, you know, super vulnerable telling my parents that I love them, but like, like loved them, you know, like, act, like, like the real love, not like, Hey, I love you. I love you too. Like not the love that everybody gives like, like the real stuff. And, um, oh man, I, I slept with my, I slept at my dad's place like three nights a week because I was too scared to sleep by myself, even though I had a roommate like lights on and, and he was there for me and, and it was beautiful. And, and I remember he was in this rock choir and I'd see his performances and he was so touched by that. And, and that was great. And I remember going to my sister, like my whole family, like really like feeling like what I was going through. My sister asking me to see a movie with her. And during the daytime being so anxious through the whole movie still, but like, let, let's get this in and, and, and meditate today, meditate tonight, no alcohol, no drugs, marijuana, whatever, nothing. And then eventually I'm sleeping seven hours a night and, and telling my parents, I love them. Eventually I'm imprinting my mom back. She finds out she has cancer. It's been in her body 10 years. Oh I'm giving God. her the love. Oh, wow. it, and, and I realized that this is from me because I went to the doctor and he said it was so and so big. I said, how big does it grow per year? Quick math, even a salesperson could do. Um, like, um, and I'm like, that's been in your body 10 years. Why did it come out now? And I truly believe it was because I was imprinting her back with like, you know, the missing part of the form that we all had, right? Like the generations that I, I don't want to say I solved, but I, 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 I integrated enough well enough, um, to come back and kept going through the process. And, um, and I just remember like there's, there's this one chapter where you go into hot water and then after you're supposed to breathe it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, anything could happen. Cause if you're in hot water and I went to my dad's hot tub, he has one in New Jersey and I after, and the most beautiful thing happened. And I'm crying like four days a week, whatever I called meditation time, cry time. And I'm like, here we go to cry. In the beginning, it was scary to go to cry time. And then at the end, it was kind of like funny. It's like, Oh, let's go to cry time. And it was all super real. And then, um, and then after the hot tub, I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? I could probably throw up. Cause I'm like really getting deep cause I needed to, cause I, I, I didn't want to live that other, that other life that I was going towards. Uh, thank you sales for triggering it. Um, so let's be real. It wasn't sales, but that 
that was the surface level trigger. Um, and I thought I could throw up and what ended up happening was I started smiling and I'm like, what? And then I started laughing like a kid that was newly boarded. I'm like, this is so effing cool. Um, and, and then I got out of it and, and at the end it had such a profound effect on me. I started writing a letter to the author, thanking them, thanking him. And then, uh, and I'm like, what am I doing? And I changed the two to my mom and my dad and sent the email to them, uh, thanking them. So that was the beginning that that was what happened. That's what I did with it. And, and full disclosure, I tried that program one time before unsuccessfully my ego, my ego won out. And what's, what's even harder when the only way you could fail at it is not finishing because your ego wins, you're going to have a million reasons. So, so now I had this as if my ego didn't have enough power before, like it had extra power and, and all that as the ego of a salesperson. Right. So that was the big turning point. And at that point I realized I, I reprioritized everything and it really set my path for, for, um, doing what I love, kept doing that along the way and, and helping others. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, that sounds like it was really intense. And I mean, you're telling a story that, you know, we've heard so many times from so many salespeople about just stuffing and stuffing and powering through until finally it breaks out. And now you're done <laughs> yeah. focusing on this or you're faced with, sorry, this like crisis, right? It's a, it's a crisis in your life. It's a crisis with your, yep. your mental health. And, you know, you, you went and you found solutions and good for you for, for sticking with that. I think it would be so hard. A lot of people would say, I'm crying all the time. This is making me worse. Maybe I really do need the medication. Right. But you, you trusted your intuition. You, you trusted your, yourself to go through the process. And, um, and it sounds like it was a really transformative journey for you. It was for the first time I listened to myself. Like I actually listened. And I remember meditating once and like, you know, getting past the first hump, like, of, you know, of, of the process I was on. And, um, and like, I was, I was good enough to sleep through the night at this point. Right. But I'm like breathing and I'm like, you know, I should do something like this. And I'm like, why the hell am I hard on myself in meditation? And then like, you know, starting to cry because of that. So it's quite a bit. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many salespeople that go through the, this concept of, of failing for the first time or that, oh, yeah. you know, they, and, and it's really even the most, the most successful people even go through that. Cause what ends up happening is, you know, you, you maybe start out and they give you an easy quota and you hit it and then it builds and then it builds and then it builds. And, uh, people don't scale like businesses scale. You can't just double, 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 double <laughs> the, 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 uh, the number that in the activity and everything like that, like you can't just 10 X everything. Eventually the human reaches a point where they, they can't do more. And then the, oh, and then they start having the ups and downs and then they start having the downs and then they they start questioning themselves. Like, man, maybe I'm not good enough right. or maybe I'm, I'm not as good as I thought I was, or I can't do this. And then they stuff that down and just keep going. And then it just, yeah. to your point, it keeps spiraling. So I think, you know, your story is, is unique to you, but the theme um, yeah. is a common one. Um, and so I, I think a lot of people can take away from it. Um, one, you were strong enough to 
look at yourself and say, I need to do something about it. And as opposed to quitting uh, or, you know, letting it get much worse. And embracing the feeling, not, not continuing to fight it. Right. Embracing it is meaningful in some way and working through it and trying to understand it. Yeah. I I want to say something important to that because while I was quote unquote strong enough or whatever, there's somebody listening to this now that that's different. Right. And, and that is going through a similar feeling or a one-off or whatever that, that, um, that isn't ready for whatever reason to do the work needed. And, and that person, I want them to understand you're trying your best and, and don't be hard on yourself. You're not ready. You're, you're not ready is your best. And, and it's not your fault. It's, you know, frankly, anything that happens, a double quote or whatever that, that surface level. Now the emotions that that triggers have been with you since the beginning of your time and have embedded from the Jewish mother, from whatever, whatever your, from whatever your situation is. And, 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 you know, I talked about, I guess you could look at it as a success, but there was many failures before then. I, I, I said the book was originally given to me 10 years, 11 years before it took me that long to read it. I was just damn good at hiding it and making that blow up. And I want to make that clear that, that you all that are listening to this for the intention that you have something inside of you that doesn't feel comfortable and that might be affecting you in a performance way and in an emotional way, in a relationship way, I'm a hundred percent sure you're doing your best and just keep, keep, you know, diving inwards to figure it out because I'm also a hundred percent sure that you know the secret formula to getting past that better than anybody in this world. That's an excellent point you make that it's not about being strong enough. It's about being ready. And if you're not ready right now, that doesn't mean you won't be ready tomorrow or the next day or 10 years from now. Um, so it, it's not a, a static thing. That's a um, reflection on, on you as a person. And I, and I think, yeah. And I think the other important thing there is um, we, it took you 10 years. It, it can, it can take some, it took people. me a lifetime. And it can take some, well, you're still young. Uh, <laughs> and so am I. It can take, take some people a lifetime. Some people never deal with it. Um, but the, the point is that, it often doesn't just solve itself. Um, so the faster you can sit with it, the faster you can own it, acknowledge it and choose to do something about it, knowing that it's not going to go away. And that it's not going to be comfortable or easy. And it, 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 it's not going to be comfortable or easy to, to deal with it, but it's also not going to be comfortable or easy to live with it. Right. So it's like, you're going to deal with that level of discomfort no matter what. Do you want to, you know, deal with it for 10 years or do you want to, you know, deal with it now and then maybe get past it? And it's that a whole, like, well, yeah, go ahead. Well, so the answer is you never want to deal with it forever, but like you also don't know what to do to fix it. Right. Or to integrate it rather. And when something like that awful moment happens, that it happened to me, that was the biggest messenger for my guidance ever. 
It was there to help me. It's not there to hurt you. Every time you keep it around and it comes more and more often, it's there to tell you to wake up until until you have to go to a doctor, God forbid, that you've never had to go to, right? It's going to bring you all the way up and, and it's up to us to get the message. Um, but, but with that said, we're all on our own journeys. Some people never will get the message and that's okay. That's, that's okay. But, you know, um, I, I, I truly believe that being present and, and, and I'm going through the journey again, and it's a constant recalibration, a constant tune up that's needed. Cause once you get to a level, you might not react to certain things anymore, but that doesn't mean you're good. Like, like you have to keep going and, and, and getting to the mental health is critical. Emotional health, um, is even deeper, right? Like that, that's what, that's what you're born with. Like you can, you can do some of that. You have the seven year cycles as you come out, um, the first seven, the second, seven, the third, and then the same therapist said, now you have 21 years to fix it. Um, and then I said, what happens at 42? She goes, you either enter midlife enlightened or you have a midlife crisis. (laughs) (laughs) And then after that you degress. In, into your, and we've all seen people that are in their sixties and their seventies that are super wise. We've all seen people that are kind of childish, right? Like more so childish than they probably were 10, 15 years ago. My parents, for yeah. sure. <laughs> they're not listening. They don't but listen. To sometimes this. they do. At least your mom once in a while. So no, this, 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 this topic is uh, so massive and, and what you all are doing is, uh, is tremendous work. Well, it, it, it's only as good as the, the guests we have on the show and the people that come share their stories. So, you know, thank you. Absolutely. Um, so. From, from your, my wife's looking at me. Like, David, <laughs> where, where are we going? I have a thought, but um, so Jared, from, from your perspective, um, what are some kind of, if you were to net out like the like two to three things that, uh, you were your biggest learnings. You know, I'm, I'm hearing things like um, yeah. presence, being present. I'm hearing things like meditation. I'm hearing things like being humble enough to ask for help. Um, seeing psychologists and other doctors, which aren't, isn't bad. It's such a fucking stigma, but I married one to save myself a lot of money, but no, she's fantastic too. Um, but I mean, like, the, like what are, what are some of the, the big like things that you'd recommend to folks that based on your experience? So if- First and foremost, nobody knows more about you than you. Yeah. And when I say that, I mean, I mean, at the deepest, most emotionally touched level, nobody knows what you've been through and how you've been imprinted like you period. Um, if you need to talk to folks, do it, please do it. Um, do what you think is best to try to get there. What I found is one way to skin a cat. I do believe what's interesting about meditation and, and, you know, the funny thing is when you suggest meditation, you know what happens? Salespeople will say, oh, I can't meditate. And somebody else will suggest headspace and somebody else will suggest this and that where they're really just getting further away. The irony is not lost. They're not really meditating. They're checking a box on the optics panel. Don't check that box. 
Meditation is a solo practice, not one with an app, an electronic or anything with you. You're by yourself in a dark room and you're quiet and you're breathing. Yeah. Also, that that's important. By the way, you do that when you sleep every night, so you can meditate. <laughs> is that fucking thing? Well, 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 you're aware. You're aware. You're awake and you're aware. You're awake and you're aware. But you can be still and you can deep breathe in a dark room. You are capable of those activities. Well, and meditation yeah. isn't about not having, it's not about clearing your mind. It's not about being calm. It's about being present in the moment with whatever is happening in the moment. And if that means that you're getting distracted and you're noticing that and you're bringing your attention back, you're still being mindful. It's still meditation. Well said. Yeah. Now well said. Uh, and where uh, honestly, where I started my meditation journey was 30 seconds at a time. Like that's cool. 30 seconds builds to a minute, a minute builds to two, two builds to four. Like it, it just the act of deep breathing and, and being mindful and focused, like even doing that for very short periods of time can make a huge difference. D- David in, in the audience, you know, what's crazy. If you start with 15 and you try to do it and you feel any discomfort in the middle, right. And you keep doing it. What happens to you at that moment that you're pushing through is breakthrough shit. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, is yeah. breakthrough shit. Like that's when you cry. Like I remember first time ever meditating. I'm here. I'm like seven minutes through. I'm like, I got this good book, good book. Like it. Don't need the 10 weeks. One week I'm done. And my phone buzzes, buzz, buzz, buzz. I'm like, I should get mad. I got this. And then I know I started crying and I'm, and then what hits me is, it's because my mom wanted me to be perfect. And like all this, I'm like, Oh shit, I need all 10 weeks. <laughs> so, so, so that's, so, so that's real. A, a, a couple um, takeaways as well as breathe. Okay. No one ever died from breathing. I want to make everyone aware of that. Nobody assuming it's not noxious gases. Nobody ever died. from breathing. Deep breathing it's very works, rare. It's very rare. Deep breathing done right works faster than Xanax, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Down. But um, (laughs) if when humans get, when humans get um, scared, they pause. When -hmm. dogs get scared, they pant faster. Dogs are more present than humans. Mm -hmm. What does that tell us? Like, like, come on, just connect your breaths throughout the whole day. And if you find yourself pausing that that's a surefire sign that you're not present. You're not present if you're pausing because we need breaths to, to keep going. Also, the final point is you're going to have so many mysteries you have no idea about, even of yourself, like that you need to like get to the dark canals of your being to find like, oh, that did happen. Like, wow. Okay. You don't need all the answers at the surface level. That is cool. It is more important to ask the question than to know the answer. Because if you ask the question and keep asking questions that you want to know and you meditate on it, the answers come. How do you know the answers come? You'll know, <laughs> you'll know, like you're going to feel a sensation. Um, anyway. And, and then when you feel that sensation and, and the room is lighter, um, that's present. And, and, and I haven't had coffee in a few days. I haven't even had caffeine as drugs. So if I sound kind of out there to anybody, um, I'm actually clearer than probably even a caffeine drinker. That's awesome. Man. Well, and I, I can tell you that, um, I, I do meditation on my own, but the times I've actually paid someone to go through like meditative exercises with me, like this, the concept you're saying of being lighter, it's, 
it's no joke. Like the, I, I've gone through, you know, 30 minute to hour long sessions with folks that have done guided meditation with me sure. and it, like, it sits with me. Like I feel like a better, happier, legit, lighter human for like three or four days. Um, like wow. I, it, it's, it's awesome. The thing that probably helped me the most, like had the most impact for a long period of time was Reiki. Reiki was like freaking game changing for me. And cause it, you take like one of the purposes of Reiki is you're taking all the negative energy that you have that you're mindful of. And, and the Reiki master is literally like channeling it and, and removing the negative energy from your body. It's, it sounds hokey as hell folks. Um, it, it worked. It was crazy. Like I literally felt so different and it stayed with me. Um, so both, both have been, you know, awesome practices in my life. So is Reiki where, um, it's a massage practice where I, I, there, I don't know if this is Reiki, but it's something else. If it's not where you have like tensions built in from like years of whatever, and it just releases that. So it was a chiropractic thing, right? I did some chiropractic stuff, but Reiki, they don't touch you. They don't actually, yeah, they don't actually touch you or it's very light. Um, and it's more, um, wild, uh, they're, they are, I think, they, no, it is, it touch, is a light touch, you? but it's, it's very certain chakra points on your body. And one of the things they ask you to do is to think about certain memories, certain experiences, certain themes in your life. They ask you to deep breathe, channel those while they like have a bell and incense and things like that. Um, and you're, you're almost trying to like, imagine taking all your negative thoughts, put them in a, a ball and then having someone like, touch your, your, touch your, the, the point where they are. And like, it just like leaves you. Um, like that's what Reiki at least did for me and what it, what it does for others. It's really interesting stuff. Does it come back ever or the thoughts are gone forever? Uh, it's not the necessarily that the thoughts are gone, but like for me, or the, the emotions, it, yeah. It, the emotional tie to them is gone. That's phenomenal. It's really interesting stuff. So then I, I'm not, I, I trust me. I promise. I'm a skeptic. I wasn't a believer when my buddy suggested it. I did it. I was like, "Holy shit, that worked!" <laughs> so, so yeah. talk about being a skeptic, being of the Jewish faith. Everything. Everything. Uh, the, the book. The book I read. The book I read. Uh, there was like a Bible passage in there. Like as I'm reading the beginning, and I'm like, "Dad, is this a, is this like a biblical like cult thing?" And he just wrote back a one liner. I, I don't know if I, can I swear on this? So, so, so he wrote back now I'm asking at the end, he wrote back a one liner, just read the fucking book. And it was like, and it was okay. like one of these one liners. It was just read the, when you get that one liner from somebody you trust, like at a deep level, yeah, it puts yeah. you at such ease. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll read all about Matthew uh, for whatever. Like, I'm in, I'm in done <laughs> skepticism out. Let's do this. Uh, and then, and it's funny, but thank you. Thank you so much. Like sales is sales is hard and, and it's hard for a multitude of reasons because of the goals they put on you because other people with their own emotional baggage are managing you as well. And, and I, you can say that with everything, but when you have a profession that has more triggers than typical professions, you're probably going to notice the things more. They might be the same people, but they're getting triggered a heck of a lot more. And um, yeah, so, so there's a lot there to unpack and, and podcasts like yours, uh, communities like ours, 
you know, are, are working together to really help a lot of people. Heck yeah, man. Well, I appreciate that. Oh, one last thing, just, I know you mentioned this, but I wanted to emphasize too, just this idea of your feelings as the messenger, that they're not, yeah. an, they're not the enemy. They're, they're information. They're important. They yeah. are a helper to you. So I know you said yeah. that. I just wanted to reemphasize that again for our listeners before we, before yeah. that sucks. I think that's so, so, really important. So it's, yeah, a hundred percent. And it's important to get the message because they'll keep coming until you get it. They're now, relentless. Those little, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, you know, the, the, the practice I go through, like you have to literally think about the word and the emotion that you feel like, is it sad is it whatever? And then, and then you think you trace it back. Right. And, and this is, this is important. And, and I think this is a, a cool tangent here. It's important to realize that that feeling like, like break it down to how it feels in your chest, in your head, in your heart, in your legs, wherever it is. That's not the first time you felt that way, that exact way. And you know what? The last time you felt that way might've been last week, might've been last month, but it wasn't from that person or that event or that thing. It was from something else, but that feeling is the same. That feeling has been around. You could trace it mm-hmm. back to your childhood and it's just coming around with you and you haven't let it go. So as soon as you trace it like mentally all the way back, you realize what it is. You could get the message and it could not come back again. You have that ability. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's fascinating. It is fascinating. Thank you again for all of your insights. Really um, helpful, helpful stuff here for our listeners and uh yeah man this has been this has been awesome and you know this is why i wanted to come on i, I love this <laughs> and and i love the work you're doing for the sales community and, and how much you're kind of helping and you know up level everybody and, and um build a sense of real community in sales which is so needed so um thank you very much Helen, and thank you for all the work you're doing man i appreciate you yeah. thank you for all the work you're doing Awesome. Um, listeners, um, Jared, where, where can people find you? Um, it's not like you hide, but (laughs) if someone wants to find Jared Robin, where, where, where can they best reach out to you, man? Email me, Jared at revgenius.com. I'm not shy. Uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn linkedin.com in forward slash Jared Robin, (laughs) J-R-E-D-R-O-B-I-N and, uh, revgenius community, revgenius.com. Well, folks, if you're not already part of the revgenius community, you're, you're missing out. So, um, join the group. Uh, he's doing amazing things. The community's doing amazing things. Um, we, we need you there and we, we appreciate you joining and, um, you know, contributing and, and learning and being part of the, the broader sales community. So, um, Jared, thank you listeners. Thank you. And, um, as always, our guests are always here for you. So if you want to talk, if you need something, um, please re- reach out to any of us. Uh, we want to support you on your journey.